0: hello sober hello sober let's jump on that train and ride ride into the craziness crazy yeah. world of sobriety <laughs> that's how i'm feeling I'm about today yeah <laughs> uh, i am with sarah malloy
1: and i'm here with elaine schuyler neal and you are hanging with the sober baddies
0: Sarah's got some badass hair today, too. I'm, I've been watching her do, like, a, a morning pampering routine before. My full routine. <laughs> She's said my full,
1: all six minutes of my full getting ready routine.
0: I know. That's good that you got it down to six minutes. I'm in that I'm zone, busy, too. I'm busy,
1: dude. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. I got shit to do. And, like, my face, it needs to be, like, presentable to the world. But I'm not going to hurt myself do spending a bunch of time on it man low maintenance is my middle name
0: that's true that's true so what are we talking Uh, about today
1: so today we're going to be talking about protecting your sobriety yes we're going to talk about i think you know kind of because the holidays are coming up but kind of anytime always i think this is pertinent
0: yeah because let's face it like people don't care about our sobriety as much as no we do
1: no, a thousand percent. That's so well said. And I was kind of looking up stuff about it. And it was like, what to say to your drunk cousin at the wedding when she tries to knock off your sobriety? And it's like, that's exactly right. People don't care about your sobriety.
0: Yeah. I would even venture to say they're downright oblivious sometimes. Like,
1: I think they're downright trying to sabotage it.
0: Yeah. Some people,
1: it's a they want to suck you their back in into there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a threat to their, their problem. You're showing, you're making it clear that they have a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. I I'm le- going to start
1: with a quote. Oh I yeah. Good go one.
0: Yeah. Do it.
1: Sobriety isn't owned. It's rented and rent is due every day. <laughs>
0: wow. I hope the rent isn't too expensive though. Cause I already got expensive rent. here.
1: I was just going to say, <laughs> I, as I wrote that, I thought, you know, I think it's true. I think it's true. But I think rent gets a little bit less expensive every day. Mm-hmm. I think in your early days of sobriety, rent's expensive. You have to spend every waking second on it. And now it's almost like it's paying me. But yeah, it is that's something true. I have to work on every day it's
0: true. Like you can, I feel like it ebbs and flows. Like I, I also feel like there's different times where I'm like, this is easy. And then other times I'm like, damn, this is harder than I thought it was going to be at month 14 Mm -hmm. or whatever. I'm at almost. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: It's the truth For
1: sure. So do you have like, did you like prepare like a little list of some stuff of pertaining to protecting your sobriety?
0: I prepared nothing, but I do have one cool (laughs) antidote. Let's take it. I'm ready for story. it. Well, cause this is, I think where this kind of spawned this conversation, but I decided to, I decided to take on a little side hustle job and for the sake of anonymity, well, it's retail, it was retail, little retail side hustle. I've never mm-hmm. worked retail, but I thought it would be fun. And for It makes you per- a
1: well-rounded person. I think it's-, yeah. good, it's
0: good character. It definitely Sounds makes sense. you appreciate those people for sure. Yeah. Um, I lasted about four months, which is good for you. which I'm kind of like, damn! I only worked there for four
1: months, shortest job I ever had.
0: Also, the only job plenty
1: ever- of time to get in all those good discounts.
0: Oh, that's true. I did milk the discounts, which you know. So did and, I. <laughs> and like, just for the sake of protecting the the employer, let's just let's just come up yeah. with a fictional name, and we'll call it the Gap. <laughs> the gap that's not a real company or anything it's totally fine but
1: But it's like it's applicable enough you know like those david spade and chris farley the gap girls yeah exactly. um, on the saturday night life it's like yeah it's like that's that's like quintessential retail
0: yeah exactly no but yeah Yeah. so i'm like i'm peddling i'm peddling clothes at a gap gap offshoot brand Mm -hmm. and i get and i get sort of not reprimanded, but kind of micromanaged by one of the by one of the managers in a really saucy way that just kind yeah. of made me feel super uncomfortable. And yeah. also just like, but you know, it, more than anything, it just made me realize like, what am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. why am I making, like, I guess just to backpedal a quick sec and I won't go into some yeah. big ass. Dude, I'm here all day. I got
1: my makeup on, tell
0: me about it. <laughs> But like, the thing is, is that like, I get, everybody gets tripped up about different things in life. And one thing that, one of the things that trips me up is that I can equate the amount of money that I'm earning or not earning with self-worth. And so being a self-employed person, sometimes my income ebbs and flows, and there would be times where I would like, feel like, oh my God, am I making enough money? Am I not making enough money? Like I'm thinking about retirement, I'm trying to save all these things. And so I'm tripping myself up about making more money. And I'm going to get this stupid, like I'm making like $65 in a four hour shift at the fucking gap. And, and I'm getting, I'm getting sort of reprimanded on a super busy shift by not putting like a size medium back in the right exact fucking spot. And it just was like, boom, boom is this what I'm should be fucking doing with myself right now? You know, oh, like, I'm not really going to let this guy give me a hard time about what I'm doing. And is this the right thing? And it just really made me stop dead in my tracks and, and realize how I was almost sabotaging myself by, by doing too much, you know, by taking, well, you
1: were much. costing your emotional bank account.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was even just-, just the drive, you know? Oh yeah. It was a total weight. I mean, you know, yeah, there are plenty of people out there doing side hustles. I think it's awesome. If it doesn't compromise your, your, your emotional bank account, then do it. But like, for me, yeah. it just in that moment, after this guy said this, this kind of weird comment to me, because by the way, shh, don't tell anybody. But he said to me, he was like, I've been following you around the store and you and you've been doing something wrong. And I was like, ooh, creepy creepy right out the yeah. gate. And I don't know, it's just way too micromanaging. And I'm just not the type of person who's just gonna take that. And I didn't blow up on him. I just wrote a respect respectable email the next day. Just, like a grown up. Yeah. Yeah, like a grown up. This I don't feel good about coming back to this job, XYZ. But, you know, it was really, it was something that I think came up and we started talking about it. Like, it just really did make me, it did make me want to drink that night kind of, because it kind of made me feel like a little pissy at myself, like Uh into, it just, it just made all, it just bubbled up all these emotions. And I was a bit like, Ooh, I need to like remove this from my, and, and I need to try the bigger issue is that I wasn't trusting in myself, like to, to to go out on a limb, to maybe get more freelance clients. Since that, uh, since I ditched that little side job, I've made like, I've booked like two or $3,000 worth more of freelance jobs, just because I had the faith in myself to put yeah. myself out there more. And I think- And you put,
1: you, you put a space in your life for it. And so it arrived. There's yeah. this thing in um, like, whatever wardrobe consulting where it's like if you have a black skirt that doesn't quite fit you right but you hang on to it because it's your only black skirt and you might need it you know for an interview or for a funeral or for whatever and you keep hanging on to it but you don't love it because it doesn't quite fit you get rid of it and it will create a space in your life for the right black skirt
0: oh i love that that's awesome and
1: for you you know that was that was that it's like get rid of it and then that money will come, but you need to have your space, your body open to it so that it can, you know, have a place to land.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know, this is a larger issue thing, but like a lot of us that are in recovery have suffered through some serious life changes and some also self-deprecating things that we subjected ourselves to during addiction, like I'm not worthy kind of things. And that was the part of my dialogue for so long. I didn't realize that not only it was perpetuating my addiction, but that it was um, undermining my entire sense of self, my success, you know, my my emotional health, my my opportunities for advancement. All of it was being undermined by my fear to trust myself and the universe, basically, to, to put opportunities in my path. Instead, I tried to like micromanage my way and overthink my way to success, which sometimes isn't the way to do it. Sometimes no. the way to do it is to just sit back and know this is going to work out. But for the overthinkers totally. out there- it's hard totally. because you want, like, you want like to see how am I going to get from point A to point B exactly? You know, I have
1: to have it planned out. Yeah. You have to have a plan. You can't just wing it,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there's a balance for sure. For sure. Um, back to the thing where you're like, I kind of wanted to drink that night. Cause I just felt so icky. It's like, that's, that's it right there. When we, you can put your finger on when you wanted to drink and why, and mm-hmm. it's, this is the thing my therapist he's like when you have a yucky feeling you before you even know you have that yucky feeling you kind of toss it you say something shitty to somebody else so that you can hot potato that over to somebody or you know you pour yourself a drink so that you can like melt it yeah and and he's like what you really want to do is when you have a bad feeling is to just like sit with it and yeah. observe it someone passed it to you and you're like why does this smell bad where is it rotten (laughs) where where does it where is it bothering Mm me? like do I feel unsafe do I feel humiliated do I am I afraid am I you know sad and that's kind of where the real breakthrough is is when you can kind of sit with it and observe it instead of just drinking it away
0: Yeah. And it made me realize one thing too, that there are so many opportunities in sobriety that I haven't probably realized yet. And this was one of them. This was- opportunity, not only to just ditch a shitty side hustle gig that I didn't need to take. This was way more than that. This was the opportunity to believe in myself for the first time in five years and say, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to make all these things work all the time, but I'm going to make them work, you know, and I'm going to believe in myself and I don't need to figure out every single thing, every single moment of the day. It's going to be fine. I do not need to stress out about this
1: yeah and i think that like that job although it was a pain in the ass and you probably wasted a bunch of gas or whatever you know getting there sure. and hassle but i do think that in your life that stupid little job came to you to teach you that yeah that was a, the gift you know that it brought you and yeah, I,
0: I think old me would have been like man i'm too i'm not that hippy dippy or i don't believe yeah. in that fake crap or whatever but i now that i'm now that i'm kind of awakened to all sorts of different opportunities and and possibilities like i totally feel like that now now i've like yeah. because it can be it we can make things teachable moments if we want them yeah. to be
1: yeah exactly and i think that i always here i am it kind of gets starts with gratitude when mm-hmm. you go i'm glad that I had that shitty experience because it taught me this and now I know I had this I'm a kitchen designer and I had this one client they were referred to me from a builder who I love and trust and um, I designed and designed and designed them this kitchen and they wanted this very certain door style they wanted this wood type and they would not budge Mm -hmm. on their budget and I kept I worked that damn thing Way more than I've ever worked anything because I was trying to fit fucking ten pounds of meat in a five pound bag, basically. <laughs> yeah, hey, we were trying to budget. make it happy. Yeah, yeah. With this, they had this tiny budget. They call it a champagne case, beer budget. And I did everything. I will make this one smaller, make this one bigger, and then we'll do this with that, and do this with that, and do this with that, and do this with that. And I did it. And then the next day, I saw them at Lowe's, and they went and they took my design and they ordered it from Lowe's. Oh, okay. and I was pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just like, but it, it didn't last long because I was like, well, fuck them. And then yeah. something <laughs> breaks or like arrives damaged or, you know, whatever they can call the one 800 number at low. They yeah. don't get to text me 20 years in the down the road. And I go, Oh, I hear, I got your order number right here. I'll just call for you. I'll call customer care and jump to the front of the line. I have the, it's like, you know what? Good luck with that. That's on you. You're that guy that does that, that takes advantage of people. And now I know, and now I've done that. And I've got that notch in my lipstick case that says I've been around the block. I've got that nice thick skin, you know? And I tried to, I was like, that was a workshop in bullshit. And now I'm that much more savvy of a designer.
0: Oh, and it's like what you always talk about how you can only control you and you got to draw that circle around yourself, make that boundary. Like, you know, ultimately you can't, you couldn't have done anything about that decision. They made up their mind, but that's like you said, that's on them and you can free yourself of the need to fucking give a fuck.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep. And it's like, I did all that work and you know what? I learned. I learned during that process. I learned I had to research which cabinets, you know, which ones are more expensive, and how, how to switch out the drawer profile and stuff like that. And it's like now I know how to do all that. So guess yeah. what? I still get to be okay. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: All right. Protecting your sobriety.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is. Oh, Sarah has got a list. It's got bullet points and very nice yes. handwriting.
1: I brought it. <laughs> Prepare brought
0: people. It. Strap in. Yeah.
1: So these it sharpie sure fine is point markers fool us. Yeah, if you ever, if anyone ever wants to buy me a gift, my favorite things are oh, these sharpie fine yeah, the point markers. Sharp,
0: yeah, the skinny black sharpies, fine tips. Uh-huh, Those are nice. Uh-huh.
1: It's my favorite thing. I have them in bulk. I have. I oh, oh here's here's a brand new one in this drawer, ready to they go. They do
0: make everyone's handwriting look infinitely better. It either. makes my
1: handwriting look better. And I absolutely. It just makes me look. Like I'm a grown-up, dude. I'm writing it in Sharpie. I know my I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, okay, protecting your sobriety. I have a couple, I, I kind of boiled it down to protecting your sobriety, I think is about stabilizing your sobriety. I don't think it's something that happens at a party. I think it's something that happens, you know, in the quiet moments of your life every morning. It's these, it's drops in a bucket. Yeah. And It doesn't seem like a lot, you know, you're on a nature walk, you're dealing with bullshit at work, you're having your cup of coffee and all the while you're kind of building yourself and you're stabilizing your sobriety and your sense of self. And to me, that's like the number one way to protect your sobriety is to work to stabilize it. And so I have these, this list of things that, um, that are, you know, just little ways to stabilize your sobriety. So, because I heard something the
0: other day about if you get to that point where you were, you're about to pick up that drink, chances yeah. are like that's been coming for a long time. So I'll be really yeah. interested to hear what you have to say about this. Like
1: six weeks. I heard it is it's, it's, and I think that it's a thing where you, you kind of let a little thought in mm-hmm. and, but you, you eventually you batted away, but you let this little thought in, you know, about, Oh, I always used to drink at, you know Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it would be so nice just to have one glass. And then that right. little thought, it 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 grabs on. It and takes it tries root. to get traction, yes. it takes root, and it's gonna try to grow. And so that's why you always want to have yourself protected, stabilized, and um, really aware of those thoughts that can take root. So I think number one is to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that when you're, you know drinking enough water, and you're eating good vegetables and, um, you're taking care of your thoughts. You're having like mental health hygiene, I think is what they call it. When you sort of don't let resentment build up and you don't let,
0: is there floss for the brain? Is that a, uh, I should be looking into,
1: right? I, you just know any minute now, Gwyneth is going to be hawking some brain flossing (laughs) floss. Bullshit oh for three hundred dollars <laughs> a pop. Oh my god! I can just see it. Um. So yeah, I think taking care of yourself is a really great way to stabilize your sobriety. And our girl Erica Spiegelman, it whenever she gives her a talk, she she makes it sound like she got sober by running because she's like, I just set out my stuff every day. I set my alarm. I slept in my running clothes, and I just get up. And even if I didn't want to do it, I'd go for a run, and that helped her stabilize her sobriety, Yeah, you know? And she couldn't go to the thing her, I think her cousin was teasing her or something cause she was so healthy or whatever. Cause she had to go for a run. She couldn't meet for the brunch or whatever. And she's like, this is important to me. It's number one.
0: Especially in the winter um, yeah. for those people who might be listening to this, that are going through winter, like we are in North America because yeah. you know, the days are really short it's cold and a lot of destinations and, you know, it's really hard to, con- it's really easy to tell, to talk yourself out of like a simple walk, for instance.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. And, you know, you get those like endorphins. And I think that just like, whenever you take care of yourself, it perpetuates like a self-respect and a self-love. So mm-hmm. that's, to me, that's like one of the, that's the number one way to stabilize your sobriety is to take care of yourself. And I think along with that, kind of like what I said is a positive attitude. When you're like, things are gonna be okay. I have gratitude. My brother-in-law just left. And right before he came, he lives in Boulder. Um, I guess he was on a hike and someone broke into his car, stole like all of his gear. He has like all this, you know, hiking and outdoor gear. <laughs> And and the way that they broke into his car, they put a tool down into the door jam of the, the where the window is and they, they bent it and it bit the door jam and he's had the window wow. replaced twice and it still sounds like there's air coming through. And he's like, that sound, it just makes me so angry. And I'm like, and we just talked and talked and I was like, but can you try to imagine that maybe the person that broke into your car is in a worse place than you are? Yeah. Even now, even now, like they're carrying all that guilt and anger and they just have all these ugly feelings. And is there any way that you can try to find a way? Cause that resentment is going to eat away at you. And so you have to find this positive attitude. And he's like, the things I have in life that that, the reason that person broke into my car was because they don't have the things I have in life, like the things that matter most. Mm -hmm. And I have those in abundance. And I think that keeping your mind on that, I think it's really healthy and important because bad thoughts can get away from you.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I feel for I feel for him. Like, oh mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to get I mean, I it would be really hard for me, for instance, to replace like my camera gear if somebody stole it all. Um, yeah. So that scares me every single time I leave it in the car, but um. Yeah. Yikes. But I know what you mean. That person might've needed to pay for something and they might have, Mm -hmm. you know, they might be in more, they might be experiencing more desperation than what we are. So yeah, we can be grateful that we're living in a state of desperation.
1: And there's a thing it's called negative sentiment override. And that is when you tell it's when you have a negative thought about something and like, let's say it's about, let's say it's about your spouse. Okay. Like they leave for work in the morning and they don't take out the trash. And you're like, oh, he didn't take out the trash. Like, Ugh. and then you go upstairs and you find like their socks on the you. Like, oh, he doesn't pick up his socks. And you get in this <laughs> groove of thinking these negative sentiments about someone. Yeah. And if you think or about any, a thing, an event, the weather, whatever. And if you If you do too many of them, you cross this line that's negative sentiment override where it's really hard to go back and give them the benefit of the doubt about Mm -hmm, something. mm -hmm, And and the same goes for yourself. Yeah. The same goes for yourself. And so, you know, compassion for self comes in right here where it's like, you have to forgive yourself and try to give yourself or other people or whatever the benefit of the doubt. Because otherwise, you're gonna get, you're gonna wade in where the the resentment's over your fucking head.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense to me. Can we make that into a button, a negative sen- sentiment override button, and we just hit mm-hmm. it like the easy button? Yeah. I though, because negativity perpetuates negativity, positivity perpetuates positivity. You know, it's like if you get on that wrong track. It's like it—it it just takes a mind of its own, or a it course of a its, own. its own.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I actually have these two friends right now that are in the middle of a divorce, and they are so immersed; they're embattled with they're negative sentiment, override <laughs> And they, you know, they're at this point where they're taking turns with the kids, you know, every other weekend or whatever. And the other one can't do anything right. Oh. And it's like starting to really cost. I'm afraid it's starting to cost the kids. Yeah. Cause it's like, you, you, it's just a mess. <laughs> I can't, I can't have anything to do. So positive attitude, gratitude, dude. Gratitude is a great way to take care of yourself and stabilize your sobriety. It's a great way to stay in the sunshine. You're not stone cold, sober, you're sunshine, warm, sober.
0: <laughs> i love it
1: um okay i got i got a few more if you want to jump in do you have any you uh, jump I, in?
0: I'll, I'm, I'm i'm mulling it over keep going
1: cool okay um help someone else out helping oh, others that's a good one i think is a really great way to stabilize your sobriety because you have like self-worth when you are giving of others there was this study have i already talked about this where they had these like poor kids from the inner city. And they just kept getting in trouble. And somebody, some like professor or whatever swooped in and he, he raised a bunch of money, okay? And they took these, these troubled youths youths from um, the inner city and he flew them to Africa and he said, all right, everybody, here's a 50 pound bag of rice. We're hiking these 10 miles into this village. You're, hike, you're carrying the water jugs. You're carrying the rice, oh, you're wow. carrying the wood. And they had to hike these heavy bags of rice, these jugs of water, this firewood into this remote city or, sorry, village in Africa. And then they had to like cook this rice for these people. Mm-hmm. And when they interviewed the kids, they, you know, had this like shining sense of self worth and empowerment. Because they had only ever been handed things. Yeah. Which sends a message. You can't do anything for yourself. You're powerless. You're worthless. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And this guy said, all right, everybody get to work. You have something to give. Mm Because these people have less than you. And I just love that story because that's the power of service.
0: Yeah. And I think it also teaches you... um... Well, I mean, when I hear that, I think about wow, you know, you would look at rice a lot differently every yeah. month forward. Oh, I just tear open a box and pour it in my little pan in my nice air conditioned or heated, nice kitchen and I boil it up and I get a nice shiny clean fork out of the drawer. Like uh-huh. And, and I complain about how boring it is. I, I know. I know why I complain mm-hmm. about how boring it is. Exactly. Yeah. You would never, you would appreciate that so much more after that.
1: Yeah. Like helping others is a great way to stabilize your sobriety because it shows that you have self-worth and that you, you are worth taking care of so that you can help, you know, go out and bring worth to other people. Um, okay. My next one, this is just a blanket statement. Don't get triggered anybody, whoever you are, whatever your relationships are, but call your mom. And this doesn't have to be your mom. (laughs) It can be like that crazy old aunt that used to send you birthday cards or that calls you, you know, or even just the neighbor lady. It's like, just call somebody up and chat and share your day and your life and talk about the weather and what birds are coming to your bird feeder or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just kind of reach out and connect with a friend or somebody, because I think in our world, like everyone's like, oh, I have Facebook so I can stay connected. It's like, you're not connected.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That's been one of the best things to stabilize my sobriety is to get to know more individuals versus even mm-hmm. just jumping on apps and communicating to a bunch of people. The more one-on-one relationships I get, the better I, I seem to succeed
1: in this process. Totally. Because on that note, I think any, any type of change, whether you're going to start working out, whether you're going to get sober, you know, whether you're going to move, your life to you know Portugal or whatever and live somewhere. It's it's about building the new. It's not about rejecting the old or mm-hmm. running away from the old. It's about building the new. And so when you are cultivating these relationships, it helps you build a new a new a new
0: I love that word cultivating because it also reminds me and I was thinking about this too, you're like investing in wow. accountability within one another. when you develop um, one-on-one relationships in sobriety you're you're almost I mean look like I don't want anybody that I'm in a one-on-one relationship um, in sobriety with like men sober mentees, mentors or whatever it's kind of equal equal even people with, less sobriety than me that I talk to on a regular basis. Sometimes they feel like more like mentors than me. If they're having a particularly strong day and I'm having a maybe weak day, it doesn't end up mattering what, what, where we are in our sobriety, like time-wise technically, it's just where we are emotionally and strength-wise. And as you, as you cultivate these relationships, it's an investment in one another. And I don't feel like oh, that person, if they slip, how could they do that to me? But I definitely yeah. feel an onus to them to keep myself sober so that I can, so that I can be engaged in these relationships. And also, cause I want to, you know, not just for yeah. that.
1: Yeah, that's huge, Elaine. That like kind of brought tears to my eyes a little bit when you're like, when you're cultivating these relationships, you're investing in accountability with another person. And I've, I, this journey I have made a lot of really neat connections with people who I never would have met, people on the other side of the fucking globe, you know? And people like Drifter, it's like, he's a ex-con trucker and he's like one of my favorite people (laughs) I know. It's the
0: truth, he's gonna listen to this and laugh probably, but he is, he's one of my favorite people too, but I-
1: And I can't wait to take my kids to
0: his house and swim in his pool and like- Ooh, we should all meet up. All right, we're getting in the car, drifter. By the time you listen to this, we'll be on the way. Get the pool ready, bro. Get the pool Uh ready.
1: I'll make a big potato (laughs) salad. (laughs) Um, But it's like you are investing in accountability with someone and and you're showing up for them just as much as they're showing up for you. And it goes back to that service kind of thing where it's like, this feels good to show up for somebody and it feels really good. To have somebody that cares enough about me that shows up for me,
0: yeah. Because and so you know,
1: I'm, yeah, grateful well, for you, Elaine.
0: Yeah, I'm sober for you too, and that's the thing is mm-hmm. like when we're in it together, we all it's like a shared sense of pain and deep understanding. And and um, I really don't quite think that if you haven't been in the into the deep hells of addiction, you don't quite know how bad it is. But that's what's so great about getting to know someone that's, that's been through this because it is a very deeply personal moment that only another person can share. That's been yeah. This.
1: And, and there's the joy, like the gal, uh, is it, is it, we are the luckiest Laura McCallum says yes. there's a quote that says, um, the deeper, the sorrow, the greater capacity for joy. Yeah, And there's another like Buddhist quote, I think that says, be grateful for a toothache, because if you've never had a toothache, you never know the joy of not having a toothache. It's true. It's and I love that about sober people because they're such fucking baddies because they walk in the sunshine because they know all about that toothache, you know? And auntie said it too. She goes, I thought the cool people were the ones in bars snorting cocaine off the back of the toilet. She goes, the cool people are the sober ones because we've like lived to tell about it. And we, we can, we smell the flowers. We enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. We walk in the grass.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, oh, I forget what else I was going to say, but
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry. Toothache, the toothache thing.
0: No, but you know what else I was thinking about with, um, there are too many things going on in my brain. That's one of the, but, um, you know, one of the other things about, um, standing up for your sobriety that came to mind is, you know, we shouldn't be afraid either to say things to really communicate, kind of what we're just talking about, how this really is a life or death thing for people, um, for some of us. And we, and I don't want to sound dramatic. Sometimes I listen to Russell. I love Russell Brand. I love Russell Brand. He's I love something. him. And, and when you listen to him talk, he really, he brings a lot of things and he brings the severity of his addiction, even though he's been clean for like 20 years or whatever it is now, he brings the severity of that into the present. And he, he has a a really good um, sense of how bad it was and how, and how dangerous it was. And I think that can feel a little bit overdramatic when you, when you, um, when you hear somebody say it was life or death, you know, for me, but I, I really do think that it's okay to communicate these things because some people don't realize like only the people who are intimately aware like our friends and family, and maybe even like hyper few family members, other people in recovery, most random people like a, like um, acquaintances that we have, maybe even siblings. Um, like I know my sister has no idea how bad it was for me and cannot. Really, uh-huh. It's okay for us to really communicate how bad that was for us so that they they don't try to sway us into drinking. My sister will never yeah. take me with a drink. She is not a drinker. But I know people who, if they didn't understand how bad it was for me and they met up with me and and like at a, at a restaurant, they might be like, oh, you were never that bad. I remember you, you weren't yeah. that bad. How about
1: have, have a drink with yeah. me? Have a drink with me. You yeah, know? well, for sure. And on a quick piggyback on that, the people who say you were never that bad, are always the people that drink more than you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. You say you're an alcoholic. You. I don't think you were an alcoholic, and it's like that because like, you don't want to be an alcoholic. I know. It's they the- always—they're always the ones defending how bad you were. Well, they got a fucking drink in their hands since breakfast. <laughs> it's like, well, bruh, I'll look at me, you look at you.
0: I've been there too. I've—I've I've literally said oh. the words. I
1: don't think you're an
0: alcoholic. If you Absolutely. were an alcoholic, you wouldn't be going to work
1: after this mm-hmm, drink. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And, and it, I'm just going
1: to give a shout out to I have my best friend. I can't, We should have her on because okay. um, she's, she's a devoted listener. And she decided to give up drinking for Lent. She's so funny. She like decided to go Orthodox Greek because she like, it's really hardcore. And it was like, she just wanted to do something hardcore that like they don't let you in you're not there it's not like any other church where they're like welcome welcome come to the pastor's house for dinner they're like yes. "Nope, we're full here we'll keep your name on file Nope, nope. you really have to knock on that door and so she i don't know why but she like took that on to get into it and um so she's followed she practiced lent and i grew up catholic so i like basically that's like greek light i thought catholic was a heavy shit but no dude (laughs) um
0: catholic is
1: Greek anyway yeah yeah. so she did lent and she gave up drinking and she ended up just not going back yeah and um she called me when she was 100 days sober and she was like i'm sober i've been spent 100 days i'm like i'm so happy for you but you don't really need to quit like you were never really that bad (laughs) and six days later i quit so i'm 106 days behind her and she was definitely like one of the lighthouses that was like it can be done and it's awesome over here and so shout out to you her name's phoenix and she's rad
0: that's awesome i love that story it's really it doesn't have
1: to be life or death it is it is for a lot of people it can be but it's that thing where you don't have to be at the rock bottom you can just be at a crossroads
0: that's totally true I just mean that like for me it's helpful to understand how low I was and to know that I could get back there very quickly and that I could get even lower and um, uh-huh. I also think too that it's okay like in protecting your sobriety especially during the holidays to remove yourself from uncomfortable situations whether it's yeah. bad yeah. gatherings with in-laws or uh, situations where people are going to be drinking, and you've had enough of that, yeah. or or even yeah. like that Christmas party that people or some are having. Like, if you don't want to go to the work Christmas party because it's going to be too hard and you might slip, don't go. You know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that actually, that's funny. That um, that goes actually to my next point, which is um, it's so funny. It's like right here, Boop, Elaine. we're, we're all synced up. Review your toolbox. Yeah, And one of your tools is dipping out. And I think back when you said the life or death thing, I thought this is like a whole nother bullet point. So now I'm getting all balled up. But (laughs) one of them is decide how to own your sobriety. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of in your toolbox. Like, so you review your toolbox. We should talk about deciding how to own your sobriety, which we kind of have covered in like how you wear your sobriety. But going into any event or any holiday season, you know, or any vacation, decide how you're going to own it. And I think that's number one of your toolbox. And then maybe we should go through the toolbox kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: So how do you own your sobriety lane? Well, I think 14
0: months. I'm almost 14 months, I think pretty soon here. And I think I'm definitely now I'm, if I'm, I'm going to a Christmas party on Saturday and everybody's going to be masked and. I'm sure there's gonna be drinks, but I, I'm totally gonna to just own it as I don't drink. Whereas in the past, I mm-hmm. would have probably said something like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight or I'm taking yep. a little break or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've, I've been owning it a lot. I've been talking to my sobriety to random people lately more uh-huh. and more. And, and what I get a lot of times is people saying, Oh, I wish I
1: could do that, but I just can't because society's so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my kids are really at weird ages right now. I just can't get sober. Yeah. yeah. Works really hard. COVID sucks. I have to stay drunk.
0: Yeah. I do understand that feeling, but you can get beyond that. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling really empowered lately and I'm also just feeling, like that, there's a lot still for me to learn, and so I'm I'm kind yeah. of a, I'm kind of feeling like about sobriety, like I'm just still, a, a, like I'm a curious seer, like I just want to absorb new things, and I want to I want to approach things with a sense of curiosity and wonder that I still have more to learn, um, because that's what keeps me really inspired to keep going.
1: Inspired, yep, that's awesome. That's the excellent way to go about it, and curiosity is like what keeps pretty much anything alive. But
0: I know how you're wearing your sobriety. It's like a black sleep dress. And you're like, Mm -hmm. boom, I'm sober Mm -hmm. bitches
1: here. I with sheer cutouts. I wouldn't be
0: surprised if Sarah shows up with like one of those like prom sashes. It's like, I'm sober bitches.
1: Sober bitches. (laughs) Yeah. I just this past Thanksgiving, my aunt, well, my husband's aunt was like, you know, I called her told her she, invited her and she said, well, what should I bring? And I was like, I kind of got it covered. Um, and I'm like, how about just beverages? Like, I don't know, like fizzy water. I don't know who's going to drink wine, but maybe a bottle of wine for whoever might. And she's like, oh yeah, you're not drinking. And I corrected her. I said, I don't drink. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's different. And I, I, when you were saying your answer, I was nodding along the entire time because that's where I'm at. I, I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. I don't drink. And um, if I used to say, Oh, I'm not drinking or, you know, I'm going, I'm doing a cleanse or I'm doing a challenge or I'm doing this, or no, I have to drive. I'd come up with this little excuse because I was kind of afraid to own my sobriety. Yeah. And now my sobriety is like who I am. You know, when people are like, really, you're not drinking. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm almost 18 months. Yeah. Rocking it. Got a podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: I'm a bad bitch. And you so know, I don't people drink.
0: will just some people will just drift away, right? They'll be like, oh, and then they just, they just, yeah, they just walk away, like, oh, they don't drink. She doesn't drink. Stay away from her. But who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. Avoid her like the plague because she is the fun killer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if that's their loss, isn't it? <laughs> um, I was talking to our guy, Shiki the other day. And he said that um, he's got a buddy who still drinks. And they're going to meet up for dinner you know, with their wives or whatever. And the guy goes, I just got a question for you. If you could just drink like once a week, would you? And he goes, no, man, I don't think you get it. I don't drink not because I can't, but it's because I choose not to. Yeah, I don't want to drink once a week because here's the thing if I could drink on Saturday nights it would ruin my Sunday Mm -hmm. and then I'd still be angry and anxious and negative and it would ruin my Monday and then I'd spend Tuesday thinking about when Saturday was gonna come and I don't want that yeah and I was just like hell yeah dude like that's exactly where it is I the way I own my sobriety is I don't want to drink yeah, I don't wish I could. I'm not missing out. You are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know. And like, I, I got to confess that, like, I was at a fancy restaurant in Uray, Colorado the other day. And yeah. I saw a woman with an exact style of martini that I would have loved to drink back in the day. And I mm-hmm. had a little replay in my mind, a little fantasy that I grab it off the table. Suck it down, slam it down, and then me, and then I run over to my husband. And I'm like, we gotta go.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: For some reason, my brain just played that out, and I just chuckled and went back to my seat and was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do that, but that would be mm-hmm. kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, we're not immune to these. I, I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. And it hits all at different times. Like, I'm for sure. Like for instance, like you sound a lot more stable or whatever than me sometimes, because sometimes I have, I still have little thoughts in my mind. I'm not perfect. So if you're listening and you yeah, know, no, we all
1: do. Yeah, we exactly. All do. And, we all do. and you know, and they're I bound to have those thoughts. They used to be in my early sobriety. Those thoughts were like a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball yeah. coming into my brain. And yeah. I was like bracing myself against it. Just gripping onto anything. Mm. Okay. And now it's like a fruit fly. Come on.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so that's the, I think that's the thing there where it's like rent gets cheaper every day, you know, because those thoughts aren't so invasive anymore yeah, they're just this no, that's a great annoying way. thing that you kind of bat down ah.
0: no, that's a great way to look at it that is really a great way and they they do pass for me like pretty quickly but they're still there yeah and I imagine that's for sure. the case for some people especially if you're newer in sobriety and you're hitting the Christmas parties but you yeah. know it's it's fine it's just a Christmas party at the end of the day well
1: know? it is but I think that brings us to our next thing which is know your triggers Mm-hmm. that's yeah. that in reviewing in stabilizing your sobriety we're talking about stabilizing our sobriety and we're talking about reviewing our toolbox and i think knowing your triggers is the best way to beat them because they're going to come there's going to be a handful of them that come at you you go oh i didn't realize that was a trigger Woo-wee. Yeah, but, and
0: that's a good point cuz I I haven't really been out to that many bars since I stopped drinking and because of covid. But and this is the exact situation that would have been triggering for you. Intimate little mountain restaurant, candles. Vacation getaway. Yeah, vacation getaway out of my element, out of town, nobody would have to know, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, um, but now I know, now I know that that's definitely a trigger and it may mm-hmm. not always be a trigger either. They just might be yeah. one moment, you know,
1: for that's sure. for bad. sure.
0: And it was just like, that would have been a funny thing that I could have done, but then I would have, yeah, I don't know. I know ass myself. Ass. I would have like walked out, gone to the liquor store, got <laughs> Yeah wine and just been like, well, I screwed it up. So I might as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know my father-in-law, he's been drinking um, non-alcoholic beers. He's so cute. And I don't really drink them anymore. I used to drink them kind of a lot, but now I don't, it's just like, I don't, I don't really need the calories anymore and I don't need it. But he kind of offers me one every now and then. And he goes, you know what I love about this? He goes, cause it's, it gets you there. You know, you feel like you're drinking a beer with everybody. He goes, but you don't want another one yeah because whenever you drink alcohol all it you no one drinks just one it just gives you the take you just want the next one that's all it's what it does Mm -hmm. and so yeah that whole going to the liquor store Uh, okay going back to knowing your triggers I think taking the concept of like going to a Christmas party I think that one's like super heavy laden with triggers for me at least because when I'm wearing a cute outfit (laughs) right it triggers me when I'm wearing when I'm in a Sequin maxi skirt and like a silk glove.
0: <laughs> it's very just, specific, this trigger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just makes me want to drink. And I think I've definitely gotten a hold of it now. I think the, the wrecking ball has gotten a lot smaller than it used to be. Yeah. But that's one of my triggers going to a Christmas party, going to a party, any festive activity, being around other drinkers, being offered free alcohol at a party yeah big one dude right big one so you have a plan dude, what, what are some good plans and do you have any good
0: well i'm personally sneak sneaking non-alcoholic kombucha into our christmas mm-hmm. party because and this is funny too by the way i just went to a movie theater for the first time since covid so two years what did you see I, we saw the Ghostbusters reboot, which was excellent. Okay. I cried like, cool. tons. <laughs> but Aww. you know, what's funny about this is back in the day when I used to go to the movie theater, I would sneak in a bottle of wine, at least depending upon how many people were with me. And because yep. at the time. Movie theaters didn't sell booze. Now, every fucking movie theater sells booze and I'm sneaking in non-alcoholic kombucha into the movie theater. Uh Now, all they're doing is selling booze. I know. Isn't that hilarious irony at its fullest? Like- Yep. So I'm thinking about putting yep. in a, a kombucha.
1: To this, a and then, would you, are you going to drink it like out of a wine goblet or something? I
0: think I was going to walk up and be like, hey, can I have one of those and just like, stick it yeah. in there.
1: I mean, totally. I'm sure they must and have. And then, no one's going to come up to you and offer you a drink. I think that's another one of your toolboxes yeah is to have something in your hand so no one tries to offer you a drink.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, and someone goes, what are you drinking? And you say, something special.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something That's better right. than what
1: you got <laughs> yeah none yeah is what I'm drinking <laughs> I know so um it's funny because I just recently went to a movie theater on the day before Thanksgiving no. and they sell alcohol and your brain it's crazy your old of your brain I thought oh I could get a beer because you used to couldn't you used yeah. to they used to not sell them and And I would always try to get a drink anytime I had an opportunity. If I'm with my kids and we're going to, I don't have to drive anywhere or be responsible for the next two hours. Of course, I'm going to drink. And I did think it crossed my mind. I Well, I can get a beer. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't drink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's there. And I think the more
0: you're prepared for those moments or the inevitability of them, the easier they get, like I kind of can anticipate these things now. And like you said, they don't ruin my world as much as they did. Um, I think too, there's this, there's this sense, like there's this feeling early, early in sobriety. Like when you get to like those 30 days and those 60 days and those 90 days, and then you're like, man, when am I going to stop? Surely I'm going to stop having cravings soon. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And and I think both of us are here to say, that's not necessarily the case. You might be feeling here and there, they change and they're not as all consuming as we both said, but they could be, and I'm still, I still worry about that sometimes. Sometimes I think to myself, yeah. these things going to be things that I have to deal with my whole life. And I'm trying to become at peace with that. Um, and I yeah. feel like it's probably going to be one of those things that just evolves over time.
1: I think that cravings, I think there's a lot of people on the IAS app who are like, when are they going to go away? When's it going to get easier? And it's like, for me, my answer is, you can't just sit around and wait for things to get easier. You have to be consciously building the new yeah, so that the cravings don't really have a place to park. Mm-hmm. That's a <laughs> and, good. and I think just waiting for time to take them away. I don't think that's enough.
0: Yeah. They're not going to dissipate on their own. It feels like it's, it's, you know, this seems like a weird analogy, but I'm going to go mm-hmm. with it.
1: The other I day- love I was- weird analogies. That's my middle name. Let's do it.
0: I was just thinking about because I don't know if you've seen the new ads for the the Matrix reboot or whatever but uh-huh. I was thinking about how sobriety is kind of like waking up in that film the Matrix like you wake up to this whole different world and now you live in this different world and the world is different but it, you know your reality is totally different but you still yep. you have to deal like you have to deal with that now so in other words yeah. The way I'm applying that to is like alcohol is going to be celebrated. It's going to be everywhere, at least for the next few generations, probably until yep. the younger generations maybe get the memo and um, we start making societal or cultural shifts, which probably yep. won't be in our lifetimes, you know, both yep. I mean, maybe we can hope. I mean, we've seen what has happened in the course of like c- cigarettes, lack of acceptance and that trajectory totally. so that could happen. And I'm really hopeful that, that that is happening, but yeah. for in this moment, alcohol is highly celebrated and we're, we have become awakened as sober people that this is this is not the elixir to the gods and to the, you know, the fast track to joy that everybody thinks it is yet. We still have to live in this world where alcohol is celebrated and is the thing and, and we know better now. So it's on. So that's tremendously, that can be taxing on your senses, right? Because you're like, you have to maintain that perspective No, this is bad for me. No, this is actually a really terrible chemical. No, this causes cancer. No, this made me depressed and almost want to kill myself. No, this is harming thousands of people every day. No, this is killing people every single day because you have to keep that mind frame going, which can be hard in a world that presents completely differently. No alcohol is accepted. Oh, you want to drink a breakfast? Here you go. So it's really hard to keep that up in your mind. Um, I think all the time and it's, and I think there is a thing that comes along with this. It's a little bit of like recovery fatigue and being aware of that is going to be well said, you know,
1: well said. Yep. And I mean, it is an onslaught. It's, it's, it's an avalanche of information. I just talked to Drifter about the conscious and unconscious mind. And like your brain takes in like 2 billion messages every fucking second or something. I don't uh, know. And, uh, and that's your unconscious brain. But your conscious brain takes in like seven. And so you are battling against the unconscious conditioning mm-hmm. of big booze trying to get in there. And we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. It's getting easier for sure. But yeah, it's our, um, all right. Know your triggers, have a plan. What's a, what's a good plan when you're at a party or protecting your sobriety?
0: I mean, I, I think a good plan for me is to know my limits because I'm an introvert. But I like to call myself an extrovert introvert like I can play yeah. extrovert, but it drains me and a lot of drinkers mm-hmm. I think are borderline introverts or can become introverted after years of drinking even if you started out as the partier, extroverted drinker maybe as it goes along it's just a very isolating substance. And so yeah. it really turned me introverted but I was already an introvert. so. I I know like it's like knowing your limits, knowing your boundaries and knowing when when is too much. And like you said, being feeling free to dip, just knowing like able to recognize I've had my limit. Even even just going back to what you're saying, taking care of yourself, looking at it more holistically, like, Mm
1: -hmm. okay, this
0: is this. I'm I've I've been here for three hours. I'm gonna be tired tomorrow. Sometimes Mm -hmm. tired like, especially if you're real early in sobriety, if, 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 uh, being tired is a trigger, make sure you get enough, yeah. sleep, you know,
1: all those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. My girlfriend, my Phoenix, my friend who uh, got me sober, kind of, She she used to say, well, I'm going to go to bed before I turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> and her, her thing on her birthday every year was to be in bed before midnight. Of her birthday before her birthday's over. She wants to be in her bed for her birthday yeah. before she turns into a pumpkin because bro, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. <laughs> and yeah, know your limits, take care of yourself. Draw that boundary. Like you don't need to make, uh, for me making pleasant conversation can be a lot of work.
0: Yeah, for sure. And
1: So yeah, know your boundaries. Um, I think telling a friend is a good plan too if you're early into sobriety, you know, you kind of walk up to that bartender, maybe slip them 10 bucks and go, Hey bro, keep me, keep me filled up with these mocktails all night long. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps you, it just, it's just this like safety net. I yeah, think, for sure. Early sobriety to keep you, um, you know, avoid alcohol centered activities when you're in your early sobriety. That's hard in this society, in this, on this fucking planet. But whatever. Um, yeah, tell a friend, make plans that don't involve alcohol. Be yeah. mindful of where you shop and how you shop. Because I think shopping is one of those places where our unconscious mind takes over. All those messages yeah. sort of kind of come to life and they just sort of take over. And the next thing you know, you're walking out of the store with a sequin maxi skirt. <laughs> uh <laughs> But I no, think okay. that's an approved messages. purchase,
0: approved by Elaine. Oh yeah, I've
1: I think worn yeah. it three times. I can, I'll fucking put it on right now to go pick up my kids from school.
0: <laughs> you would,
1: you I would, would. Like I would.
0: Sober stash and all, sober stash. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yep. Sober I mean, AF.
0: I mean, and yeah. um I was thinking too, about like knowing your reality a little bit, because I know whenever I travel, I almost feel a little bit, I'm in a different reality. Like I'm a different person. And whenever I was traveling, um, because sometimes travel does transport us to different, like, like we'll, we'll, we'll see other people or other homes or other ways of life that we emulate. And like, for instance, I was just in Telluride, which I had never been to before, and it, and it was actually pretty dead in Telluride because ski season wasn't even open yet. The downtown was Nor like or
1: was bluegrass time. season.
0: Yeah, it was. not <laughs>
1: bluegrass season or ski season.
0: Yeah, it was It was just kind of dead, but it was like every other every other um, business is a bar or a restaurant with, and you know, like there are people wandering around with like, like literally, I saw somebody just coming out of a. a like a bar with a cocktail and they just sort of yelled out to somebody and came back in. And, and um, I don't know, it just travel. Sometimes for me, transports me outside of my reality. And so I need to remind myself that, if I drink because I feel different or no one will know or something like that, that my reality is still waiting for me, you know? So it it's like, my reality is right where I am at any given moment. No, like no drinking, you know, in that environment is gonna is gonna absolve me of the reality of it. Because sometimes that can happen to me. Sometimes I'll that little voice in my head, the trickster <laughs> loves yeah. to, loves to convince me or try to convince me that it doesn't count if it's outside yeah. of my reality.
1: Dude. And that Elaine, that's so profound. And that goes back to being present. Mm-hmm. And cause we can get, it's so easy to get taken out of our reality. And I think back to shopping, you know, like the retail environment tries to take you out of your reality they Have that fun, yeah. poppy music. They have the sounds and the smells and the looks and to try to get you to buy
0: Absolutely. the products,
1: products, products. Yeah. You're not you and
0: know? you your frumpy old yoga pants. You're the model. You want to be that girl. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who's got her yoga mat on the beach. And it's like, I don't even fucking live near a beach. <laughs> but when you said Bring, my reality is right now in the present. And I think Staying present is one of the big keys to stabilizing your sobriety because it's it's the fucking building block of mindfulness when you can kind of come back to your breath and you go, How am I feeling? Where in my body am I physically feeling this emotion? You know, how like because it's not because I think that reality transport, it's it's a future. We we're living in the future. I'm going, well, when I have this designer bag i'm gonna be the girl that you know is a b c and d and you're not living in the present and you're not being mindful and it causes you to make decisions outside of your reality and that is outside of your boundaries
0: that is so true when you just said that about living in the future and i think too like on that same on the other side of that coin is is being mindful of the past because nostalgia is a big one for me. Like I will, I was just talking about this to someone today who's also going through a divorce, probably listener number five on this program, but, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. but yeah, it, nostalgia can be really tricky because nostalgia, whether it's in a relationship or our relationship with alcohol, like we might have this little glowing past that we see and it's like oh I remember when I used to be able to drink and it was just going to the wine tasting and that was all it was and I didn't get the extra two bottles and I didn't drink them that night I I can remember that yeah the
1: longing when I was a responsible drinker. yeah I can
0: remember right but the thing is is that we can't hone in on that one thing just like we can't hone in on in a bad relationship that's failed oh well what about that one Christmas where we we're really close. You know, it's like, we have to mm-hmm. step back objectively and look at the whole narrative around drinking. We can't isolate nostalgia and, and apply it to the rest of everything else. Like we have to look back and objectively say, yeah, but was it all that great though? Yeah. You no. Know?
1: Fuck. Yeah. Well, I just saw on Pinterest, an article that said, um, why reflecting on the good old, the good times is bad for your sobriety. Yeah, because it does this thing where it builds the narrative that can gain traction and take root that says, but it was so fun and it was glamorous and it, it buys into all those messages that we get. And like you said, nostalgia. And I kind of said like, oh, you're living in the future. I think that also when you're thinking about drinking, because you're outside of your reality, you do need to think about the future because for me, oh girl, I haven't told you, we're going to go to Mexico next week. Oh, nice. I found these two flights. We're going to fly to Puerto Vallarta. We're going to go stay Yay. in Sayulita. And it'll be oh, my I second, love like, I can't wait. It's going to be my second, like, tropical country, tropical, you know, foreign country vacation inside my sobriety. And whenever I'm in that present altered reality, you know, where people are offering me drinks and I'm on the beach and I'm tan, fake tan. Um, <laughs> you have to think about that future because you go, well, right now, this would be so fun. But in an hour... I'm going to be a shitty mom. Yeah. And my kids are going to be sunburned and they're going to be hungry and they're going to be thirsty. And all I'm going to have is this fucking melted sugary margarita. (laughs) And then I'm going to be stressed the next day and I'm going to lose, you know? So I think there is a little bit of a healthy amount of forecasting when you're trying to bat away, you know, a trigger.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between like playing it forward in your mind and realizing where you can go and versus like living in the future you know and thinking that yeah something is gonna solve a problem for you like yes if, exactly. if i get this i'll be happy you know that's a yes. whole different thing than than i think um playing it forward yeah. in terms of drinking
1: yeah and that comes back to gratitude where it's like my life is complete mm-hmm. without this one thing or without this one drink you know um okay stabilize your sobriety toolbox anything else in our toolbox
0: i don't know i think we covered a lot of the toolbox i, I know,
1: know i think those are the big ones a lot of them is like leaving you know being prepared before um whatever if you have one email it into the soberbaddies at gmail.com i Yes. Should, should check that. Has anyone emailed us? Cause I, I haven't checked You're the, the one who put it, it up. Sarah's going to log in. There's going to be
0: like 1500 emails. All of them. spam. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like spam marketing from like Jose Cuervo or something.
1: Yeah. We'll get exactly. them. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Okay. Uh, other points of stabilizing your sobriety, read some Quitlet or grab a meeting.
0: Yeah. It's just,
1: it always just like bolsters it up you know, you just have this, this thing to just kind of bolster your, bolster your stance here in sobriety. So, yeah you know,
0: I think what I know or what I lean on the most is that I know that drinking is not going to deliver me to any sort of place of happiness beyond where I already am. And it's not going to transport me back to the past. Like I I think whenever I get nostalgic, for the past, like I can get sucked in by that pretty easily. And, and it's, it's more of, it's definitely a swatting away of the fly, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's bigger than that. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a lot Mm -hmm. more meditating and just self-talking to myself and that's okay. Like I'm patient with Mm -hmm. myself about it, but I have at least come to the realization that that this is not going to i i can never go back there and that's the that's yep. been one of the hardest things for me to come to terms with is that i cannot go back there like yeah. only only from only not only from a sense of like me protecting myself in the future but that that place doesn't exist anymore and that's yeah, one of the girl. things to to understand and to really know inside yourself but you know what even though that can be sad, it doesn't have to be sad because you can, you know, I don't want to go back. I want to evolve like, like wishing for the past and wishing for some sort of nostalgic place that I can't arrive to that can be depressing if I let it, but it's all about, it's all about choosing which way you want to frame your existence. You can choose to look at things positively and I'm moving forward and I'm evolving beyond this, or you can choose to be miserable and longing for something that it doesn't is not going to
1: love you back, you know? Totally dude. And that erodes at your gratitude when you're longing for something, you know, from the past or whatever. It's, it's, it's not, Good. Um, and that kind of brings me to journaling, which I don't do. <laughs> I, I journal. would, I could, um, uh, but I think journaling is a way to stabilize your sobriety because you can see your thoughts. You can spell out good plans and good ideas, which helps you kind of make them a more of a reality. And Laura McAllen said, she said, get up every morning, sit in front of your computer and just type, don't think, just type think of it as taking out the trash. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to do that one day.
0: That's what I like to do. in just a quick meditative process. I, I, in the morning, I listened to a meditation recently that was talking about like breathing out, like all your stagnant, like thoughts from your dreams or whatever th- things that you've got going on. And it had you <laughs> close your eyes and visualize almost like air moving through you, like through your body, like moving it in, but it going through your whole, and like just cleaning out your brain, your heart, like just breathing new air through your whole body. And sometimes I'll do that just for 10 minutes. Just listen to some chill, like um, sounds. Yeah. Spot music. Yeah, exactly. Spa music. If, if, if anybody's listening to this and they haven't tried the new free or not new, but free insight timer app, or you can go on and just Ah. chimes and chants and guided Mm -hmm. meditations and all that, but you can just put on a track and just let like, just, I don't know, it just, it's, it's a great way for me to quiet my mind because my mind will just go. And that's one of the things in hindsight that I recognize about my drinking is I was trying to temper down the chaos in my mind, but, um, but thankfully I've learned, but how to- you weren't letting
1: it go. You were trying to just like squeeze it into a goddamn Tupperware. Yeah. You weren't like <laughs> figuring out a way to attach it to a helium balloon and let it go. Yeah. Which I think takes a bigger person, you know, for sure.
0: Oh, this has been that, so good. A, it's been awesome. like a little mini therapy session yeah. for
1: me. <laughs> it's been so good. It's been so good. Okay, another one um to stabilize your sobriety. Find nature. Yeah, find sure. nature. Nature is beautiful. It's like I took my kids on a little hike the other day, and they just my kids are at the age where, you know, my daughter's like, Mom, I think this is a fairy house. Look, that's the door. And like, there's so much like possibility. Yeah. You know, and the way that there's this creek going, and then there's these plants that linger into the creek, and the way that the ice formed around the base of the plants around the water it's like really beautiful and there's so much wonderment there and I think I think finding nature is like so therapeutic
0: absolutely we're gonna have to go on a sober nature walk in Carbondale that's
1: oh my god that'd be awesome we could yes yes <laughs> Just, I know we never got to do that when you were here it's like right at the bottom of my road it's like we'll totally do right it there um, here's something that somebody said to me today. Cause I was talking to my brother-in-law about how his car got broken into. And I was like, we were talking about how this, this constant sound of the window cracked cause the window isn't repaired correctly. Yeah. Constantly reminds him that he was violated and the car was broken into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, bro. And he has this huge drive. He has to drive to Zion today. And, um, I'm like, well, bro, like, what if you could think of this as like an opportunity to like overcome? Can you take this as an opportunity to find your Zen? And he's all totally, I used to have a teacher that said, any fool can find enlightenment in nature, but can you find your Zen amidst the chaos? Mm. That's, that's where, you know, the, the power is. And so I think that the holidays are also really riddled with drama and family and just it's, it's thick with that stuff. And I think that if you can look at it as an opportunity to let your sobriety like carry you through in a way that it's meant to, you know, that it doesn't contribute to chaos and future forecasting and all that shit. Yeah. Like you find it as an opportunity to let your sobriety give you Zen.
0: Yeah. Especially starting to, you know, this is the time when people are starting to think about the new year and the new years have never been yeah. like a tremendous reset for me, but for a lot of people they are. And you know, it's, it, there is something really um, renewing about newness. And so as we're getting through December, that's definitely something
1: that you can use to hold on to. Totally, totally. And then my last one is, um, I think it's kind of the opposite of like a big dramatic resolution, which I don't think, I don't think those things work. I think that like January 20th is like national donut day. Cause it's like the day that's like scientifically proven that everybody gives up, gives up on their stupid uh, resolution diets. and stuff. I learned but how to I diet did. and de-
0: eat donuts people. There we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, girl. And I, I learned it from you and I love it. I'm so proud. Um, but I think that the opposite of a big, heavy resolution and putting your, putting these weights on yourself of these big, you know, obligations is it's taking little tiny things. Mm-hmm. So, big change happens in a series of tiny moments, not one big dramatic thing. And so when you say, what would a healthy person do? And like, it's like, maybe find someone that you admire or, you know, like a sober celebrity or something, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like sitting down for lunch with your friends and you're about to order and you're like, well, what would Giselle Bunchen order? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Or like, You're. It's like you're looking for a parking spot, and it's like, well, what would a healthy person do? They'd just park at the back and walk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I just think, like, if you just take these little, teeny, tiny, what would a healthy person do? And it's like, Mm -hmm. just order water, just order fizzy water. You know, it it adds up, and it bolsters your sobriety, and it helps you take care of yourself, and it helps you. I think it contributes to your compassion for yourself. The little things.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Change definitely doesn't happen overnight. It's one little choice at a time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then before we hopped on this call, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we like had this super fun chat sesh and I wish we would have been recording because it was <laughs> awesome. Uh, but one of the things we said, we kind of came, we arrived at was that protecting we're do, we're sobriety. We're going to do sobriety
0: readings the next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get a little occult. Um, protecting your sobriety is protecting your sanity and protecting your sanity is protecting your sobriety. And I think that when you do these sanity saving things, you stop kind of running in the hamster wheel of trying to prove yourself to yourself or others. You start to kind of find your sanity. I think it bolsters your sobriety for for sure. Yeah, because
0: for me, if it's, it's not just about not drinking anymore, it's about, it's about my mental health. It's about cultivating a new person or not a new person, but you know, my, my authentic self, as we talked about before, it's Mm -hmm. about nurturing that person. It's about not running away from feelings. It's about so much more than, than my little petty need for looking fondly back at nostalgia it's about moving beyond Mm -hmm. and 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 which is liberating to me like the idea of moving forward feels so and embracing
1: the unknown like what's to come and creating your new evolving into your new self like that's like some butterfly shit dude absolutely oh this has been so good this has been so good. I hope yeah, it's all five time, of you who are listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did.
0: Yeah. And next time, Sarah's going to read everyone's astrology report. Or- yeah, so
1: yeah, email us. What would you think about the Sober Baddies doing a um, astrology sobriety episode? <laughs> I because I, I have this deep, dark, long lost Long love for Sarah's
0: a Sarah's and, a green witch. Okay, email I'm me sorry. your
1: birthday. <laughs> yeah, green witch. I like that. Um, <laughs> um, email me your birthday and I'll tell you all the things that your partner complains about. you <laughs> Nice. Uh, um, all right, so let's see.
0: Uh, are we closing? Are we done? Yeah, I think we're closing. Okay, cool. Well, I've been hanging with Elaine Schuyler neal And I've been hanging with Sarah Malloy. And we are the sober baddies. Yep. See you next time.